Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy the show. On this week's show, we have Steve Jenowick. He has credits with Paul McCartney, Melody Gardot, and Elvis Costello. Enjoy. So, first and foremost, I want to thank you for being here. For sure. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm glad we could finally make it happen. Yeah, we've been trying to plan it for a little while. (laughs) Um, Yeah, life gets busy. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, I want to start out with a little bit of your backstory. If you can walk through, you know, how you got to where you are. Uh, Yeah, um, it's pretty simple. I was a really rotten guitar player. Um, (laughs) But I I had friends in bands and that kind of stuff. And and I always enjoyed the music, liked the music, wanted to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was never going to be the guy in the band. Um, so, and then the idea of pushing road cases and being like a roadie, yeah, you know, that didn't really appeal to me, right? Um, but, but so I was like, well, I'll be the sound guy, yeah, you know. Um, and then I got into it, and you know, because I didn't do the like band thing, I, I didn't have the four track recorder and all that kind of stuff, right. you know, the typical story you hear all the time. So I, I had to start from like the scratch. I knew, I knew absolutely nothing about recording. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like a cool job. Um, so I actually did go to a, a recording school. Okay. Um, very early on, it was a place called the Trevis Institute. I, it's obviously not there anymore. Huh. Um, and it was, it was not like the schools are now, but it was good. So I got like the book education. You know, right. this is what an EQ does. This is what a compressor does. This is signal flow, blah, 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 right. stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, I grew up in L.A., so I kind of had, you know, I'd been around music and film people a little bit. Not a lot, mm-hmm. but um, but I kind of knew the thing was, especially at that time, you know, we're talking about the late 80s. Uh, like you you – you get a job as a runner, as a gopher, and, right. you know, that's how you get in the door, and you work, you know, and there were hundreds of studios within five miles of my house right. at that time. Yes. You know, at that time, like, every other building was a recording studio <laughs> in Hollywood. There were tons right. of them. Um, <clears throat> and the guy who said, it was actually, Bobby Osinski was one of my teachers. Oh, wow. Um, and I was literally, I was literally in his class, and the guy who sat next to me in that class, we were kind of friendly. He was the night runner at a studio called Cherokee, which is, yeah. the, the original Cherokee's no longer there. Yeah, I worked there um, for a little bit, actually. So he would, yeah, everybody yeah. worked there for a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was the, like the night runner guy. And he came in one day and told me that he had done something stupid and he got fired. And I was like, really? So they're looking for somebody? Okay. And he was like, yeah, dude, you should go get the job. And I literally got up and walked out of class and went home and like <laughs> got my resume and went to the studio and walked in. And I was like, I know you guys need somebody. You know, here's my resume. I don't know shit. Like, you know, and they were like, great. When can you know, when can you start? And I was nice. like, when do you need me? And they said, well, come back at come back at four. So Dang, I did that. Same day. You know, and then I, I became, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I became, you know, a runner and blah, blah, blah. I think I worked there for like three years. Wow. So okay. like 1990 to 93. Okay. Um, and I made it through to assistant engineer, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. We had five rooms, you know, so there were there were always sessions going on. And it was, at that time, it was like either like hard rock stuff, like gangster hip hop 
stuff because right. that was the early days of that. Or like Rod Stewart, you know, right. like right. the legacy artists that had been working there forever. Yeah. So it was fun. Got to do a lot nice. of different stuff. Got to learn. I I had I didn't know any different. So whatever was going on there was just you know it was cool. Right. Um, made some really good friends. People who are still my friends to this day. Nice. Um, so I worked there for like three years, and then I started doing live sound for bands because it was something to do. Okay. And it was a way to get into the bars, get into the bars for free, and get free beer. <laughs> um, and so I was doing that for a little while, and I thought that's what I was going to do, like <clears throat> touring oh, yeah. and go on the road and do that kind of stuff. And I ran into my friend Bill Smith, who you probably know. Yeah. Um, and Bill and I had worked together at Cherokee, and I ran into him one night, and I was leaving a bar, and he was going in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, come here, I got to talk to you. He was like, he had he had gotten the job at Capitol like okay. a year before. Okay. <clears throat> and he was like, I got to, he's like, I'm glad I ran into you. I got to talk to you. We had a guy who quit today. He quit really unexpectedly, blah, blah, huh. blah. They need a person really bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of having fun. I'm, you know, I'm traveling a little bit and going yeah. on the road and doing this. And he was like, and he was like, no. And he sat me down and he kind of explained <laughs> Capitol to me. Right. Like, this is not like Cherokee. This is a totally different place. You're going to, you know. Right. So, like, that night, he basically convinced me to go get the job. He was like, get your resume going tomorrow. This is the guy you got to talk to. You know, talk okay. to Michael Frondelli. He's the guy. He's the yeah. boss. So, same kind of thing. I went in the next day and, like, you know, asked for Michael. And he came out for some reason. It's funny. I lived in, I lived in L.A. my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'd never been inside the building. Right. I'd passed by it a billion times. Never been inside. Yeah. Like, like everybody, basically. Yeah. Um, walked in to the lobby and i said i'm here to see michael and he came out which i don't know why you know mm-hmm. and i said i know you i know you need a guy here's my resume and he said how do you how do you know i need a guy because it was literally the day before the guy had quit i said well right. i ran into bill last night and he told me and here's my resume and he went hang on a minute just wait here okay he went down to bill and was like who the hell's this guy you know and bill was <laughs> like he's good hire him you know <laughs> so he came back up and he's like, when can you start? And I was like, well, when do you need me? And he was be back here at four o'clock. Okay, great. <laughs> so I went back at four o'clock. That's awesome. <clears throat> Cause that's when the night shift starts. It's four to right, midnight right. at all the studios, right? <laughs> yeah. So I started back as a, as a setup person at Capitol, which is basically the runner, but at Capitol was a little okay. different cause we actually set the rooms up. So you're setting right. up the big orchestras and all that, you know, hanging mics. So it was a little more than just getting food. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you had to know a little bit more. You had to know the microphones and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I started at Capitol and nice. then I just left 27 years later. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then nice. everything in between that, you know, nice. yeah, I was uh, like, there were guys that were there, you know, they had, you know, the engineers that were there at the time was Leslie Ann Jones and Charlie Picari and, and, right. and Pete Dell and Bill. I mean, some of them had been there for years, and I remember right. thinking, "God, I, like one job for ten years—that's that doesn't <laughs> sound right." You know, and, yeah, I made it. I made it longer than all of them. Right, right, know? right. <laughs> and and so, you're—I mean, obviously, yeah. you worked with Al Schmidt a lot. Can you tell me how you got introduced to him and how that worked out? So, obviously, working at Capital, Al worked there all the time, and yeah. Bill was Al's assistant. By okay. the time I got there, Bill was kind of working with Al all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Bill was my friend, you know, I got introduced very quickly. I mean, I think I met Al, I think I had been there like pff, oh, maybe a week and he came in to do right. a 
big, huge Willie Nelson. I'll never forget because it was the first time I had to set up this big orchestra by myself. Right. Okay. Two rooms and tons of mics and all that stuff. And then, mm-hmm. and then you know, I met Al. Um, obviously, I knew who he was, and I had right. been prepped like Al's coming. And it was you know, it was Willie Nelson and Jimmy Bond. Like I had worked with some big people before that at Cherokee, but this right. was like, right. I mean, at Capitol, it was it was big time stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd never seen big orchestras like that, anything like that. So, um, but and also at that time you know we're talking 94 i think when i okay. started there most of the sessions most of the sessions you know you can't do it with an engineer and an assistant you know there were tape machines and dats running and half inch right. tapes and people so you know you always needed a, a few people in the control room right and because i knew bill i got dragged in with okay. him because we right, were friends right. nice um and al and i hit it off immediately mostly talking about like baseball you know, we're both big Dodger fans. <laughs> nice. So I think that's, and I think the person, you know, our personalities kind of clicked. Um, right. And so for like three or four years, maybe even more, um, like when they would do records, if they needed another person, it was me. Right. I would be the guy that was there. <clears throat> but Bill was still Al's assistant. He was doing all the heavy lifting and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and at, and by that time, Capital we had rebuilt Studio C, and Al had he was he was doing a lot of mixing at Bill Schnee's, but Bill's console was getting too small, right? You know, um, you know, obviously he needed bigger consoles and stuff like that, and it just became very comfortable for Al to stay at Capital. It was easy for him, right? Uh, you know, the rooms were great. I mean, it's easy for everybody at Capital. Yeah. It was great, but he could <laughs> right. record in the he could record in those rooms and then go mix in C, and everybody was there, and he had a good parking lot, and the food was yeah. good, and blah, blah blah. It was. Um, and then it came time for Bill, you know, his time with Al kind of ran its course and he had other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And by that time he was no longer on staff okay. and I had been promoted to, I had been promoted to assistant engineer mostly because of Elliot Shiner actually. Okay. Cause Elliot was coming out mixing records and he liked working with me. So I was right. actually, Elliot's the person that got me promoted nice because he was like i want to do this record with steve and they were like well he's not an engineer here you can't and they he was like well make him an engineer so they made me you know i had to join the union (laughs) and all that kind of stuff right um so it was actually elliot that got me promoted to assistant engineer at capital um but then it came time so i remember bill telling me like i'm not going to do this with al anymore i'm going to go do this record with these guys and blah 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 so you're probably going to be the guy so it was kind of like bill left and i just like moved over a chair and kept right. going right. with Al because <clears throat> I had been working with them already for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of lucky because at that time, you know, I mean, Al and I always got along, but that was right when Pro Tools showed up. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so suddenly the job of assistant engineer changed quite right. quickly right? because, you know, we always ran the tape machine and that kind of stuff. But there was a big difference between loading a tape on the machine and writing a track sheet and having to manage this Pro Tools thing. Yes, absolutely. And having to learn it and having to, you know, it was something Al didn't, I mean, he knew what, I mean, obviously he knew what Pro Tools did, but he wasn't going to sit down and edit right. and do file management and right, build right. sessions and all that kind of stuff. Like, he, you right. know, he stop and start <laughs> and hit record. I mean, he knew what it did, but he didn't, he had no interest in learning, like, you know, to be a 
to be an right. operator. The full details, so to speak. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we taught him. You know, we showed him. Here's how you navigate. So I like I didn't have to sit with him when he was mixing. You know, he could navigate mm-hmm. around and do all right. that kind of stuff. But okay. he didn't want to learn how to edit and do all that right. kind of stuff. So right. so suddenly the job of being Al's assistant changed a little bit. Um, and I was at Capital. I had a union job. I had I was getting paid. I had benefits. I had right. you know it was cool. I was working on these huge records, mm-hmm. you know, mostly with Al or Elliot, China. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was assisting for the best guys in the world. I was I was doing movie sessions and scoring mm-hmm. and you know orchestral sessions and big band sessions and all this stuff right. that I never like. I thought I was going to make rock and roll records and do guitars right. and you know. And here I, now I'm making jazz records and big and I and I really liked it. It was yeah. so I was having a good time and I was making you know making a living, yeah. And I had a fam, you know, I had a young family and whatever. And and Al and I just kept working. So then right. it got to the point where I was Al's guy and Al was at Capital all the time. And like I was giving Paula my schedule, like okay. you know, because Al <laughs> we were we were booked we were booked six months out, right. You know, with records. And it was just assumed that if Al was there, I was there. Right. And if he wasn't there for some reason, then I got to work with Jeff Ambrick or, you know, Elliot Shiner right, or whoever. Right. You know, sometimes some, sometimes I get, I get like, parted out to other, like, Al, I'm not working. You're going to go work with Glenn Johns this week. Okay, great. I'll do that. Right. You know. Um, and, and so we just kind of kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then it was like 20 years. pretty much nice that we worked together like almost every day yeah towards the end like the last five or six years you know he started working a lot less by kind of by design Mm -hmm. um you know he he was getting older and just didn't you know he didn't he just stopped taking the gigs he didn't want to do basically yeah yeah um but by that time i had i had kind of i had my own clients and i had already of course established myself so um so as his career was kind of winding down a bit not much um mm-hmm. i was able i just kept working you know? right so you know I, I never really like got his clients so to speak yeah i mean a few of them maybe but right um but again that 20 years i spent with him was the best education i could have ever gotten yeah um, absolutely no that was that opened- was that was a couple times where <laughs> where you guys had, had come over to East West and I was working with you guys and it was awesome to work with you and Al together. It was it was it was really cool. Yeah, it, for it, sure. It became a very special thing between the two of us because yeah. you know again we worked together so long and we knew each other so well and and it mm-hmm. you know it got to the point where there was stuff I did and stuff he did and we didn't even have to talk about it. We would it right. just happen. <laughs> right. Um. And and. You know, I picked up a lot of his demeanor. You know, his his way of working was very much stay out of the way, just capture what's there. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't. It was never about him. It was about the artist and the music and the session and all that. And of I course. fell in. It was very much. I liked that. It it worked for me also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like to think I'm still that way. It's not about me. It's it's. Right. I'm just there to to capture what's going on. Um. So. Yeah, we we got along, and I mean, like I said, there were times where entire sessions would go on. We wouldn't have to talk to each other. Yeah, you know, I used to tell the other assistants, like, I used to tell the other assistants at Capital, like, don't do what I do. Like, if you see me doing, like, it's not okay. Like, right. you can't reach over and change a compressor setting on the. Like, I can right. do that with him because yes. I know, you know, we have this understanding. But 
please don't look at me in a session with Al and think that that's okay. Right, you know? And I right. would never do that with other people. Of course. You know, unless it was somebody I, unless it was somebody I knew. Um, right, you know, right. and then it was cool because then I, you know, as, as I got better and I was at Capitol for a long time and then I would get requested by, you know, for the big session, the Oscars right. and stuff like, it was like, no, we got to have Steve there. Cause he's the guy that can manage this stuff. So right. it, it got to, it was really fun working at Capitol cause we were doing sessions that nobody else did. Right. You know, we were doing live broadcasts and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was really fun. You know, Hey, you're going to, you know, we're going to do a live broadcast with Paul McCartney and his band. Cool. Let's do that. Right. You know, <laughs> right. who wouldn't who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. You know. So <laughs> So then now what have you been you doing know, lately? You're doing stuff at home. What's your what's your status? Yeah, so so well COVID hit, <laughs> which yeah. stopped everything. <laughs> right. Um so I always at one point, you know, when Pro Tools came around and you could suddenly put it on your laptop and I had mm-hmm. a little studio that had evolved at my house. Okay. I, I didn't do it on purpose. I never really wanted it, but you know, I could do this little editing and friends were, you know, I, Oh, I can do this at home. I don't have to go in for this. And right. you know, then somebody's, Oh, can you mix this record? It's a little thing. I was like, I guess I can do this on my laptop, you know, with headphones. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's acoustic guitar or whatever. So I had this little room, um, kind of in, in a little office area. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started getting some work. I would do these jazz. I call them little jazz records. They're not little. They're just, inexpensive you know right but i could but i could mix i could mix it at home right you know and it was like well so it was a little extra money here and there and i was getting clients mm-hmm. and stuff like that so people that couldn't afford to go to capital right maybe i could do it at my house right so i i never took work from capital but it was like look these people they have you know two thousand dollars to mix this entire album right well i right. can do that in two days i can you know three days yeah. of my time that's that's a good that's a right. good living. Right, right. But that's not even the studio. Not that's even not the winning one day in the studio, studio at exactly. Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> so so I had this little studio that did that. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit and lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um and by that time I had I had been mixing Atmos and, you know, um mm-hmm. like I said, Al had kind of not, you know, where I used to spend ninety percent of my time with Al, I was now spending like thirty percent of my time with Al. Right. You know, and I had my own clients and stuff like that. So when COVID hit and lockdown happened and my wife said, you know, what was like, well, I got to keep working. And there was all this Atmos work from the studio, you know, because at that time it was all internal still. Mm -hmm. There were only like three of us who were mixing in Atmos. Mm -hmm. Um, And I cobbled together a bunch of speakers you know, I had mismatched. Oh, I got a pair of speakers here and a pair of speakers there and a pair of speakers there. And, right. you know, and they were like, can you get set up and running? And I was like, yeah, I think I can. And my wife was like, well, you should just take the living room because we're not using the living room. Okay. <laughs> you know, we have a big family room in the back. So we basically right. took my little studio office and put the living room furniture in there and put my studio <laughs> nice. in the living room. And I could, but I could keep working, right. which was great. And I had the work. So I couldn't, go, you know, you couldn't go to studios. I, mm-hmm. I had internet. I had a computer suddenly yeah. and and I had I had access to other rooms. It's kind mm-hmm. of nebulous, but PMC had a room in Highland Park that nobody okay. was at. Yeah, yeah. So what I could do is because I had already mixed so much Atmos work, they could send me the work. I could mix it. So I would mix for like a week. You know, right. I'd get like 14, 15 songs, whatever. And then I could go to the PMC studio in Highland Park that nobody had been at. So it was perfectly safe and right. COVID rules and all that stuff. 
and listen to everything and tweak it on a real system nice and then turn it in you know but studio couldn't employ the studio couldn't send me to a studio for legal reasons obviously it was like they couldn't send you know that's so they'd crazy. be like, is this good? And I'm like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. They're like, how did you? I'm like, don't ask me how I did it. Just, but it's good. You can release it. Right. Um, I mean, they knew exactly, they knew exactly what was going on. But yeah. Um, so, so that's what I did during COVID. And mm-hmm. then there were a couple records we were working on um, that like got stopped in the middle of it. Right. And I was able to keep working, you know, like we all did over Zoom and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But because yeah. I had this rig at my house, I was able to keep working. Um, and then when the studios reopened, it was like, well, if I don't have to go in, I'm not driving 45 minutes. To, <laughs> you know, I'll just keep working here. And they were right. like, fine, keep because I had an Atmos room. At, and right. at that time at Capitol, there were there were five of us mixing and we had two Atmos rooms. Okay. So it was like, well, yeah. if you can stay home and work, that's great. Because then the other yeah. guys, you know, so I would do right. the same thing. I would mix at home and then go into the studio one or two days a week and listen to right. everything and tweak it. And off it went. Nice. Um so that was working great, you know. So I just nice. kept the studio in the living room, and then mm. we found out about Capital, the building needing to be, you know, retrofitted, earthquake retrofit. Right. Right. So we were actually in the middle of union negotiations, and they went, "Well, hang on, we have news for you." So we knew about the building oh, closing way before everybody else did. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. we knew months in advance, but we didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. We didn't know what was mm-hmm. going to happen with us. We didn't know. Like, are we being kept on? Are we going to move? Is it going to be a year? Is it going right. to be what? You know, and as it started to unfold, you know, we kind of realized. And then, again, I had the studio at my house. I could keep working. So we were dismantling yeah. capital because, you know, we stopped taking – at one point, we stopped doing sessions because we had to uh-huh. we had to empty the rooms. Um, and that oh, took really? literally months. Took all the gear oh, out and months. everything. Wow. everything the only thing we left was the frames of the consoles and like wow. the internal wiring like the right, patch right. bays and but like right. speak speakers out of the all the soft mounted speakers are gone we, and it all had to be packed up you know itemized That's you know bark like i didn't know that i thought they just closed the yeah, doors it was no hmm. we had to, we had to, so it took it took months during that time i kept working Right. <laughs> because they still needed all these records mixed in Atmos. Right, right. And I had an Atmos room. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> I nice. got to keep working. Um, and then they finally told us, like, look, this is what's going to happen. And the staff's going to be laid off and you're all going to get, right. you know, a severance package. And it, w- it was cool the way it happened. But mm-hmm. I just kept wor- then, you know, but again, we knew that. So I had six months, you know, or right. whatever. Right. four months knowing that at some point this was going to happen um right. and you know my kid my kids had grown up and moved out so i still right. have a studio <laughs> in my living room <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah now it's now it's my studio you know and right. again we have the rest of the house is great we we my wife and i kind of decided we we retrofitted a little bit we put in a couple of doors and stuff like that um, okay but it's it's easier for me to just work out of the house. So I have a right. full 714 Atmos system here yeah. at my house. I have nice. PMC, PMC speakers that you can see. Um, right. Uh, so it's nice. been great. So I just kept working. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't, awesome. I haven't stopped. Yeah. Now, all of, us, all of us are kind of, you know, multifaceted. Some of us, you know, engineer, we produce, we mix, you do Atmos, you know. Is there one thing that you have been focusing on more lately or kind of a little bit of everything? <sighs> A little bit of everything, and I like it that way. 
Um, okay. You know, I, I really, I really enjoy mixing Atmos, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's maybe half of what I do. Right. Um, I still enjoy I still enjoy recording. Like next week, I'm out all week. This week, I was home all week. Okay. You know, mixing, just sitting sitting in this room by myself doing stuff. Next week, right. I'm out all week. I'm at East West next week. Um, okay. You know, making a record. So I still enjoy doing both. I love recording. Recording right. is still my favorite thing to do. Go to the studio, you get to see your friends and people. And, right, right. You know, you get to make music and, you know, the records I get to record are usually fun. It's usually orchestral stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. I just produced a record for a, a band that's kind of a a bar band kind of thing, you know, but they're really good. Right. So right. like, a you know, nice. kind of a rock, a rock country, country rock band. Um, you know, I still do the little jazz records, which, yeah. you know, again, not little, they're, they're big, but you know, yeah. good artists and all that kind of stuff, but we do them right. quickly. They have, you know, record for two days and then mix for a day and then you're done. Right. Um, right. So, um, yeah, you know, I still, and then nice. I still have clients from Capital and all that kind of stuff. It, 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 it worked out very well for me, actually. Okay. Um, nice. So, nice. and we'll see what happens when, when Capital comes back. We'll see what happens. You yeah. Know? I know sure. they're working over there. They're, they're doing work at some point. The studios will reopen. I know that. Right. Um, right. And I'm excited when they reopen. If nothing else, I get to use those rooms because I, I miss having right. the rooms and yeah. I miss having the mic locker and stuff exactly. like that. You know? Exactly. Nice. What do you mean you can't, you don't have 18 U67s for me to use? <laughs> what <do you> right. <laughs> Now, when you when you're mixing Atmos, um, what uh, like like a lot of the the process of mixing Atmos is just recreating the old mix. If it's catalog stuff, you have to just re recreate right. their mix. Like, what does that process look mm-hmm. like for you? Depends on what it is. Um, so it depends on what I'm given. So a lot of, of the stuff I've been do- I've been doing recently is actually not catalog stuff. Okay. I've been doing a lot of like. Frontline records. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just did the new Nile Horn record, um, so that's the. Uh, I just did a Melody Gardot album. Um, nice. So, in that case, I'm usually getting really good stems. Okay. Um, nice. So, so recreating the record is fairly simple, right? Because it should just right. line up. It doesn't always depends on who mixed. The, it depends on who did the stereo mix. Right. Some right. guys use more bus processing than other people. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so but but now i know you know i've like i've mixed a bunch of stuff that spike stent was the original mixer on right so i i kind of know what i'm gonna get you know or, you know if chris lord algae was the original mixer, whatever it is right. like i can I'll, I'll kind of know you know i i've done it a few times and i kind of know what they use and, and that kind right. of spoken with people and um so if it's that then it's you know then it's panning basically how do i move this around keep the integrity of the stereo record the original record um but make it interesting um and it depends it really depends on the the album um i do a lot of the blue note catalog and that's a whole different process and with that jazz stuff you you know you don't want miles davis spinning around in circles and all that (laughs) kind of stuff so right so that gets treated much differently than a pop record you know where you have all these elements and stuff like that so um uh, you know, I don't have an assistant here, so a lot of my time, like yesterday, I right. I'm, I basically prepped an entire album. 
You know, okay. I built the sessions and imported all my stuff. But, I mean, that takes the better part of a day to do 10 or 12 yeah. songs. Um, yeah. It was a little easier because it was an album I mixed in stereo. So I'm kind of right. just conforming my sessions. Yeah. That's um, actually one thing I wanted to talk about, too, is, you know, I've done a little bit of Atmos, but it's always, for me, it's always been stuff that I've mixed in stereo first. So it's a lot easier right. to make that transition. And sometimes, yeah. you know, when it's when it's when I get lucky, there's projects that I'm kind of co-producing, and I have the full liberty to you know explore with Atmos much more than I did with the stereo version. Have there have there been projects like that with yeah. you? Or absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, depends on the artist and the song and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, right. it's it's and you know I, I've I've gone through different ways of doing it and you know i have lots of friends that are doing it and we all commiserate like do we do you print your own stems do you commit the tracks do you, you know and it's right. kind of different every time <laughs> I, I don't know that i found the best way to do it but i always yeah. get through it right <laughs> um so yeah the the records that uh, my favorite thing is if if i was the stereo mixer then right. doing the atmos that's because yes. to your point you have, well, you know where the bodies are buried and you know what the artist wanted. You know what the intent <laughs> yes, was. Exactly. You were there for all the little tiny moves that were made and you mm -hmm. can make sure that that stuff is, translates into the right. Atmos mix and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's my favorite thing to do. Um, right. When you're dealing with, especially catalog stuff, yeah, it's a lot harder because at that point, you may not have the artist around. You may not have the original mm -hmm. producer around. Sometimes you do. Right. Um, if it's, if it's a, you know, I'll usually try to find out who mixed the original stereo version. Right. Um, I try to make sure, you know, we had issues early on where like we weren't getting, you know, some of these records have been remastered four or five times, right. you know, if you're dealing <laughs> with stuff from the 70s, like which yeah. master are we going after? Like, right. so, you know, I, I mean, I had, I literally had one album where, I did the Atmos mix and they kept rejecting it going, it's not right. Something's wrong, you know? And we figured out we were listening to two different reference tracks. Oh, jeez! <laughs> like they had one that was mastered in, like I had one that was mastered in the seventies and they had one that was mastered in the nineties or something right, like that. Right. So theirs That's was, it was not that, yeah, not that one was better than the other, but they, and stuff like one of them got reversed so left and right were reversed. Oh, really? Jeez. <laughs> so when they're hearing, they're like, why is this weird? This is, you know. Yeah. And we finally, but it took us like a week to figure out because, <laughs> again, it was it was COVID and it was a British artist and right. we were going, so we had time zones and and finally yeah. we got on the phone and we were like, what are you listening to? And it was, <laughs> so there's that kind of stuff too, which right, was, right. you know, For sure. do we have all the multi-tracks? Do we have the right multi-tracks? You know, we... We ended up at Universal at Capital. We had set it up a whole a whole thing of what we called pre-mixing, right. where we we could send it to people who just did the busy work of is this the right take? Is this the right vocal? Is this right. do we have all the okay. guitar parts? Yeah, because if you're you know if you're dealing with a 24 track that was transferred, yeah, well, not all you know the tambourine goes through the whole song, but it's only used in the chorus. Like somebody right. has to go through Sometimes and pick that out. Sometimes they're automating the mutes to do the comps and stuff. Yeah. 
Right. Exactly. You got 48, you know, a 48 track. So you got a master and a slave and which like there's guitar parts on both, which is the actual one to use, you know, right. stuff like that. <laughs> um, right. So those kind of things, you know, a lot of times with the catalog stuff, getting to the Atmos mix is the hard part. Yeah. Once you get to the point where you can actually do the mix, it's actually not that difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but nice. it's all the stuff running up to it. And then all the stuff on the back end, because now it has to be approved and who's going to approve it. And is the artist right. involved? Is the producer involved? Are you know, um, and sometimes that can be fun. Sometimes it can be a little annoying. Um, I mean, I've had artists that were like, I've hated that mix for 30 years. Can you please change it? You know, Jeez. like the vocals. But then the, then the, the label's like, definitely don't change it because, you know. Exactly. Doesn't sound like the original, but he told me to change it, you know. Right. So, um, <laughs> so we have had some stuff like that. You right, know? right. Like, can you please tune that word? It's been bugging me for, you know, or whatever it is. But now right. we can fix it, so you tune it up. And uh, Now, yeah. I would never do stuff like that on my own. Um, of course. I would only course. do stuff like that if I'm asked if I'm asked by somebody to right, do it. But right, you know, there was sure. some stuff in the eighties, some stuff from the eighties, and I talked to the artist before I met and they were like, it sounds really eighties. Can you like back off on some <laughs> of the reverb and stuff like that nice. when you do this mix? So I'm like, Yeah, cool, no yeah. problem. You know, nice. not make it totally different, but let's just, you know, right. can we loosen it up a little, little bit? Tweaks. You know. Yeah. So nice. the fun part is when you you know, whatever people think about Atmos and whatever you're doing, you know, I've never had an artist not like it. Like, yeah, when you sit the artist down and play them, like, I've never had one go, oh, I hate this. This is ridiculous. I like, you know, I mean, they might have opinions nice. about the mix, but yeah. for the most part, they all like it. Um, That's you know, cool. Because it's cool. If, if it's done right, it's really good. Yeah. Definitely. I will admit there's some there's some really bad mixes out there. You right. Know, um, I'm, when you know when that when the Apple thing came out, when Apple started streaming spatial, and you know right. I'm looking at forums and reading, you know, because I was kind of on the front line of the whole thing because I was the first one. Mm -hmm. to, I was actually the first mixer to mix music. So right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reading, you know, people like this is you ruined this record, uh, not me, but you know, this record yeah. is bad, uh, you know. And I and I sat down one day with my I, and I went through and I got my phone and listening to the binaural, and I was like. Yep, that mix sucks. Yep, you're right. That mix sucks. Yep, right. that's a bad mix. You're right. Like that one didn't translate. <laughs> right. So, but the really good stuff is really good. Um, right. So it's like anything. I mean, it, we're we're in such the early stages of it that we're all yes, still figuring still, it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. I've been at it longer than anybody else, and I've only been doing it for what five years tops. Right. You know. Right. Six yeah. years, whatever that is. Nice. Um, and and we had to make it up there were no rules there was no of course you know when you're learning when you're learning to mix in stereo you can listen to mixes that have been done by the best mixers <laughs> that's a good in the world, point you know <laughs> when they handed me the first atmos record it was well, how do i do this and they were like i don't know we, nobody's ever done it you figure it out you know so i was literally making it up as nice. i went but always with you know i always have it in the back of my head like you're still mixing a record still it's right this is not this is not a demo to show off a lot of speakers you're making yes. a record so make it com make it compelling yes. you still have to be able to listen to it and it still has Absolutely. to be music and just because you can pan something to the back doesn't mean it needs to go to the back you know right right for sure um, for you sure. know it, it really depends depends on 
what it is you yeah. know and and luckily in the early stages it, stuff wasn't we were kind of getting a back catalog going so it wasn't right. like i was mixing and it was being released so there okay. was some stuff we you know we could experiment and we could go back and fix stuff you know if mm-hmm. if you know some of the early stuff like i went back to it before right. it got released and was like no nah, i need to we screwed that up but like that was bad <laughs> i gotta fix that um, nice so there were a few like that um nice but and then and there were only a few of us doing it so we had this little mm-hmm. tiny community and we could bounce ideas off each other and that kind of, it was very controlled right. it was kind of, it was really fun actually That's cool. cuz again That's cool. it was it was just kind of just the people at capital and dolby and you know again there were like 10 of us who were involved right either technically or you know the record label or whatever so right. it was really cool nice. um so i think we got to do it in a very good way where we could we mm-hmm. could kind of control our own quality and stuff like that. And then by the time stuff started getting released, we had a pretty good back catalog going. And yeah. so then we, we at least had some stuff we knew sounded good. We'd heard right. it in other places and the artists liked it. And, you know, it was like, right. so, okay, these are the really good mixes. So shoot for this stuff. You know? Right. Right. So, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Some that I did, some that other people did. Yeah. It was, it's, it's been really good. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I will agree that, again, like I said, there's some stuff that's just not good. <laughs> yeah, so. right. So one thing I like to talk about on this podcast as well is, um, you know, how to get great results from artists in the studio. And I know we touched on, you know, Al Schmidt and how he's kind of got out of the way. And, you know, you have taken on that approach as well. What are some of the things mm-hmm. you do to prepare an artist for a session? Um, I prepare for the session, first of all. Um, right. you know, for me, for, and, and especially a lot of the records I do are a lot like quote unquote live bands in the room kind right. of thing. Um, <clears throat> usually a lot of people, um, yeah. which is fun. So, so I'm prepared on that side. I have, I have my shit together. You let, you know, I've, I know the studio and I've, you know, we've set up early and I've checked the mics and the headphones work and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, so that by the time the artists get there, none of that stuff should be happening. It should, right. they should be able to walk in and go, um, you know, headphone mix is so important getting the headphones yes. right. Um, yeah. you know, I always used to make the joke that, you know, the two most important parts of any recording session are the headphone mix and the lunch order, because those <laughs> two true. things can destroy a session. You know? It's really true. Uh, honestly. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's such a mood killer. If either one of those things is screwed up, you know, I mean, right. you know, you saw it at, at East West, the, a million mm-hmm. times. If that headphone mix isn't right, people just get yeah. mad. You yeah. know, the and, whole session would come to a halt. <laughs> exactly. Um, and suddenly, you now now the flow is killed. And and on a lot of these sessions, you know, if you're if you're using union musicians or session music, you know, you might only right. have three or four hours. So right. you know, we got we got three hours to get three songs. Like, yeah, let's go. You know, we we don't exactly. have time to screw around with with the headphones. Like, you know, and <laughs> And they know what they want, and you know you better get it there. So, right. so for me, it's a lot of it's preparation, really, and making right. sure all that kind of stuff is taken care of. And then read the room. You know, some some artists, you know, you can be loud and talk, and you know, yeah. Ha- and other artists, you just kind of sink back into the into the woodwork and let it happen. Um, it depends on who the producer is too um right. you know over the years i i as i did multiple records with different producers i would have more i would f- feel a little 
better about saying something in a session maybe or right. i mean you always have to be careful with that but you know or do you just sit back and let it happen you know right. who am I, you know if i'm if i'm doing a session with david foster he doesn't need to hear my opinion about the chord structure of the song he's right. david foster <laughs> like you right. know just just record it you know that's that's not my place um right but I have had times where, you know, I was the most experienced person in the room. Yes. So, you know, I mean, everybody was great at what they were doing, but I was the one that's made hundreds of records. And, you know, these people have right. not made hundreds. So, and, you know, if something's going off the rails, I might have to step in and kind of put right. it back on track a little bit. Like, hey, guys, maybe we should, maybe we should start this or maybe we should do that. Or, you know, why don't we stop for a minute? You know, um, I mean, you have to do it in subtle ways. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, when you think about the artist, you know, very few artists have made hundreds of records. And so it's interesting to kind of, you know, know when to hold your tongue, but also offer advice to help them. And, and in a way that, that you know, reinforces the fact that, you know, that you're you've done hundreds of records and they haven't without offending them right. you know without, so it's this whole without saying that exactly yeah. exactly yes so yeah. it's this kind of um, walk you have to do yeah and and that can be interesting sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um and but like i remember al and i having talks about like we would be in sessions and he'd come over to me and be like this isn't going well like yeah can we you know and it was like okay um and suddenly Hey guys, I gotta back this up. I need ten minutes. Right. You know, we're getting to you know, I could we could do something like that. Or you know, we right. could make up a thing to to, to take you know, a break. Uh, again, I, I kinda wouldn't do that on on my own, but but you know, he he was recognizing it and he would like, right. Well, how do we stop this? Like we're we're going down a, a rabbit hole here and this is not good. Yes. Like, you're right, let's <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out a way to stop like you know? Right. So yeah, back, backing up is always a good thing to do, <laughs> like or <laughs> nice. or whatever. Like let's get the let's get the lunch order going. Right. You know, get a guy yep. in here and let's you know. So sometimes you just have to change it up. Um, right. So and and I think again, it's reading the room and and making everybody comfortable and allow the give them the the place to do what they do best to yes. do what they're there to do. Right. Um. You know, and help them. It's my job to help that artist make their record or whatever it is, the movie right. or the, you know, um, it's not my record. It's never my record. Right. You know, my, my Have, like Al used to say, my name goes really small on the back if I'm lucky. You know? <laughs> right. Right. So. And, and on records that you've produced, is there any times where you've kind of helped to craft an artist's sound? How do you? How do you work with art and artists mm, to, to do that kind of thing? No, most of the stuff I've been asked to produce is again, it's more the f kind of facilitation of getting it done. Um, okay. I mean, yes, yes, I will. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm. I will help. You know, even as an engineer, like right. I'll help crafting the sound because. But that's usually discussions beforehand and stuff like that. What kind of, of record course. are we going for here? Are we doing this live? Do we want it? You know, right. uh, is this a 
big rock album where we need big rock drums? Is it a little thing? You know, are we going to do a, a lot of it is dictated by how you record and who right. you record and where you record. Um, <clears throat> I tried, especially now that I don't have capital at my disposal, you know, those rooms were so flexible. We could do all kinds of stuff. So somebody could literally say like, <clears throat> no, we want really tight and intimate. And it was like, okay, well let's go to studio B and I'll put you all in the corner and right. you know, we'll block it up or, but then the next day it could be big, huge bombastic rock and roll right. drums in the same room. Right. Um, not all rooms are like that. You yeah. know, not all rooms like right now I'm struggling to find rooms that have enough ISO booths to yeah. do stuff, right. you know, um, because one ISO booth doesn't do it. I need three. Right. You know, I got a, I got a singer and I got a bass, acoustic bass and I got drums yeah. and I got a piano <laughs> and like everybody wants to play at the same time and everybody wants to be able to fix it. And every, so yes. I got to have some kind of isolation. Right. Right. <sighs> How do I do that? You know, I, yeah. I, did you know? I love East West. I did a record at East West, but I, I had singers on almost every song. But we knew they were going to be replaced because right. they were going to those songs were going to go out to artists to sing on. So right. they were guide okay. vocals. So I had right. to keep I had to keep them out of everything else. Like, <laughs> right. You know, every right. everybody's like, you know, you're going to get all the leakage in the vocal. I don't care about leakage in the vocal. I'm trying to keep the vocal out because I need to right. take it out later. Vocal out of everything. So else. like, yeah. <laughs> I had to put singers, I literally had singers in the lounge, you know, or really? the control room. Dang, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so That's it's awesome. And to, to get to your question, sometimes it's just you're sculpting the sound by where you're doing it and how you're doing it. And right. are you doing it live? And, and for me, a lot of that happens before we get to the session. Like I talked about before, it's the preparation. Right. Um, so, yes, I do help to sculpt the sound. But mm. it's it in my way. It's not happening like with an EQ, or we're going to use this certain kind of right, thing, or right. we're going to. It's like where are we going to record, and how are we going to do this? Right. You know, um, exactly, exactly. I, I'm not nice. the kind of producer that's going to write this. I'm not going to write the song with you and do of that. Course. You know, I'm not yeah. that. I'm not that guy. So, right. so I can't. I can't help in that way. So right, right. I help in For the sure. ways that I can. Yeah. For sure. So. I just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide for creating massive snare sounds. In it, I go over all my techniques, from drum choices, tuning, microphone placements, even mixing techniques. Check it out now at brendandecora.com slash huge snare. And now, back to the show. And can you talk about any current or recent projects that you've been working on that, that, you're, uh, that you can talk wow. about? <laughs> like yeah there's a couple i can't talk about like right somebody asked me like my like one of my favorite sessions that i've ever done i can't talk about yet I'll, right because <laughs> it, it hasn't come out yet yeah um that's the other thing is now everything is an nda you have to sign the nda for everything yeah i'll have to talk about anything yeah. can't put anything on yeah you know. um but recently um i just did a project with with melody gardo who i love she's great we, nice. you know i started working with her with al um mm -hmm. and i just mixed a project she had done a, a project it's an ep and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head um <laughs> but it's it's her and a piano player and a string quartet and uh nice. you know i literally got a call out of the blue like hey can you mix this for me and you know these four songs and that was really fun because she was coming awesome. to la so i got to spend time with her and then they needed an atmos too so i got to do both which was really fun awesome nice. um what else am i doing i just did again i just produced this record for this band called hard rooster Okay. Um, which is kind of a, a country rock band and yeah. they're kind of weak weekend warrior guys, but they're really good. So they you know, nice. they all have day jobs, but yeah, yeah. 
but and that was really fun um i got brought in as kind of the guy to like hey we want to make a record we heard you're good at this you know through mutual friends and 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 they wanted to have fun doing it so a lot of their like one of the things was like we want to do this and we want to have we want to make a good record but we also want an experience to do it so we, right. we literally spent a day paula salvatore and i spent a day and we took them around to a bunch of studios so they nice. could see which you know we Just took them to, places, to village yeah. and sunset and you know nice. like these are the rooms we can do this in and these you know and then we talked about it and like okay we want to do we want to do the tracking here and we want to do the overdubs here it's like okay great and then i'll mix it at my house it'll be fun you know they nice. wanted to get we had we had two days of tracking and two mm-hmm. days of overdubs that's and they were like, if we can get four songs, this will be great. Right. Nice. And I was like, well, bring, bring more. Like, right. <laughs> you know, they you guys were like, are well rehearsed, we can get four. Then, but yeah. I was like, bring, make sure you have more. We got nine songs done the first day. Amazing. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think we got six the first day and three the next day or something like that. Okay. Um, so what started out as an EP ended up being a full album. Nice. But did that, did you run into problems with the, uh, with the overdubs then did that drag out longer because more songs no no because they were good okay. and they were rehearsed they were good and <laughs> awesome. yeah nice. when they're good they're good the singer was great he would walk out and he'd sing it three times it was like great cool nice we're good you know um awesome. i mean it didn't it didn't need a ton of overdubs it wasn't like you know gotcha. i mean again kind of a country rock thing so the songs the songs were really good they were there right. they had their parts together they'd been playing them and you know, we kind of had a plan nice. going in and, you know, it took a couple hours to get set up and get sounds and stuff like yeah. that. You know, get the head, get the headphones working and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. And, get the lunch order <laughs> um, happening. <laughs> exactly. All that stuff. But then again, once, and that's the way I like, it, you know, take the, t- you know, the first song is going to take a little bit of time, whatever. Right. But then you just go, you know, yeah. you're just, just go. Exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, yeah, you run into a little thing here. Oh, we need different acoustic guitar sound. Great, we'll get a different acoustic guitar sound. You know, it's right. not nice. Keep keep it moving. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I don't I don't like those records where you're laboring over stuff and like yeah yeah. You know, I, I for sure doing vocals doing vocals for years and stuff like that. It's like that's not <laughs> right. It's just not editing. Fun. It's not fun you know copying syllables uh, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can do it. I we've all done it, but. Right. It's not fun. It's really yeah. not fun. Um, <laughs> right. You know, one of the great things about working at Capital is usually, you know, Capital, like East West, not the least expensive studio in the world. Definitely not. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> but, and, you know, and the people I was working with are not the least expensive. So usually by yes. the time you can afford to do that, right. you, you kind of, it, it, it weeds out a lot of the riffraff. Let's yes. Put it that yes. Way. <laughs> uh, we still got a certain. We still got a certain amount of it, but right. You know, right. for the most part, it, we were doing you know, yeah, re- quote unquote, real sessions. You know, very rarely was I cutting cutting a demo. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I don't sure. even think that's a thing anymore. Nothing's a demo anymore. Everything. Yeah, exactly. For exactly. real these days. But, um, <laughs> nice. But it was very rarely. You know, we very rarely was were we working on something that wasn't going to be released and heard by people. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Whether or not whether or not people heard it, I don't know, but at least it was <laughs> that out there. Nice. But so I yeah. like to wrap up each yeah. podcast with the same kind of set of questions. Um, yeah. The first one is, what is your most influential teacher? Oh, 
my I teacher? Mean, well, obviously. Yeah. It's Al. Probably obvious, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so he's the most influential, absolutely, because I spent so much time with him. Of course. But it was also, you know, Bill Smith and, you know, Christina right. Picari and, uh, you know, the other engineers I worked with at Capitol. And, you mm-hmm. know, I was really lucky. I got to... I got to be an assistant or engineer for some of the best, you know, yeah. engineers and producers in the world. So, right. you know, I have stuff, you know, little things I picked up from Phil Ramone and little things I picked up from Tommy right. LaPuma and things I picked up from Quincy and things I, you know. Yeah. So it, I'm kind of an, an amalgamation of all, like all of us are. Of course. You know, course. and those people are the same way, you know. So, nice. but I can draw direct lines to like, I mean, obviously a lot of what I do is influenced by Al. But, of course. you know, but there was stuff that, you know, that Elliot Shiner did when I would assist him on mixes that Al would never have done. Right. So I can grab and grab that out of the bag when I need it too. Yeah, you know? exactly. But, but yeah, it's by far it's Al. Yeah, of it's course. Not a bad, <laughs> nice. not, a, not a bad teacher to have. Not yeah. a bad teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, the next question is, what is your favorite reference track? If you have to go to a new, a new studio and check out the room, the speakers, mm. what, what do you put on? Yeah, it's. It's uh first one is always uh it's a record we did with Shelby Lynn. Um Okay. And the song it's Just a Little Love. It's the first song on that what's the record called? I think the record is called Just a Little Love. Um Okay. But the that that album, especially the first song, it starts with a bass and a cross stick and you can hear the mm-hmm. chamber echo and and that's what I right. use like and that's what I use to tune speakers with and right. you know when so that that's my go-to track um you nice. just hear everything if if her voice is right and sounds good and right in your face then it right it, it just works yeah. nice awesome mm-hmm. and last question is what would be one tidbit for an upcoming engineer <sighs> that's tough um <laughs> I, what i like to tell people is don't don't pigeonhole yourself um yeah I, when I started, I thought I was going to be doing X and I ended up doing Y, yeah. but I didn't know that Y existed when I started. Right. Like right. there's, there's a, there's tons of jobs in audio, tons yeah. of them that, you know, I mean, we, we only hear about the guy making the rock album or whatever, right. the jazz record or what, you know, there's, there's six guys that we hear about all the time. But yes. there's hundreds of people, thousands of people working in audio. You know, yes. I, I didn't know, I knew nothing about making movies, you know, scoring. Or, you know, you can be a dialogue editor, or you can be, you know, mm-hmm. you can do trailers, or you can do, I mean, there's so much, there's so much, so many different jobs in audio that mm-hmm. you may not know what you like and what you're really good at until you can discover it. Right. You know, I thought... I didn't. I had never seen the sessions at Capitol when I got there. Like mm-hmm. I think I'd maybe seen one string session, you right. know. And now at Capitol, I was working on them every single day. And I and I didn't. I didn't know I liked that because I'd never seen right. it before. So, right. so my advice is is keep keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, and you know, yeah, I want. I want. You know, I hear a lot of kids like I. Just, I want to mix. I want to be a mixer. It's like yeah, mixing's fun. It's great. Right. But so is re- so is recording. You know, right. and what are you going to mix? And, you know, who knows? So, you know, just right. be aware, be open to stuff, learn everything you can. Um, 
and you know find if you can find a mentor somebody to you know to hang out right. with that's great i mean that world kind of doesn't exist that much anymore but yeah which is too bad um, yeah i yeah, found that's that my advice. um yeah i found that you know like with all my experience i've done everything you know i've worked at east west i've worked at glenwood i've worked a lot of places and done all different types of sessions. Now I am kind of focusing more on, on mixing and, and mm -hmm. even just kind of sticking with rock in general, but I still draw from all of those experiences when I do that, you know, it's like if someone yeah. wants to re record an orchestra or mix an orchestra, I can do that because I have all that experience. And, you know, yeah. even when I get other kinds of tracks, you know, pop tracks or whatever, I have experience in that too. So it's, 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 mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very grateful that I, that I did explore everything and, and it, it was right. able to lead me to, to what I wanted and I can still draw from all those things as well. So, you know, and, and I think like, honestly, the, there's not much of a difference recording a jazz record and recording a rock record. Yeah. I mean, it's one's true. louder. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, recording, you know, Diana Krall and her band and recording the Rolling Stones, it's the, you're doing the same stuff. Right. You're putting people out in the room. You're letting, you know, <laughs> again, good headphone mix, make sure they can hear, yep. make sure they can see and hit record and let it happen, yep. you know. Yep. Um, exactly. So uh, the mentality is the same. Yeah, you might use different mics and you might have, you know, right. whatever. I mean, there's obviously subtle differences to it, but yeah. but conceptually, it's not that much different. You know? Right. So for sure, you know what's you know. It, awesome. So one one feeds the other. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I just get bored easy, so I like doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I like awesome. that I can be working a video game one day and a pop record the next day and mixing right. Atmos the next day and yeah. You know what is what is this week? Ha you know, like I said, this exactly. week I'm mixing all. Next week I'm recording all week. It's great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So nice keeps keeps me on my toes i don't i don't think i could sit in a room by myself just mixing yeah. records yeah I would, I would for sure i would get bored yeah for it sure. happens now if i if i sit here too long i get you know uninspired and i'll, <laughs> I'll bored. I gotta go do right, something else right. you know so, <laughs> awesome as much as i love it you still gotta yeah know, i have to keep keep myself uh mentally stimulated let's say. yes absolutely <laughs> And that's about, you know, staying creative with it, too, because obviously, you know, yeah. mixing and engineering is all like we have to be inspired and created as well. So, you know, totally. it's, it's about maintaining that for sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, I I told my friend last night, yesterday I was not inspired to work. I, I ended up working. <laughs> I had a lot of busy work I could do, but I wasn't yeah. I wasn't right. in mix. I, I didn't I wasn't in mixing the head. You know, right. for whatever reason, I just wasn't, <laughs> exactly. I didn't, so I did something else, you know, so right. I, I prepped all my sessions that today I'll be more a mixing head and I'll mix them today, right. but, for sure. you know, I still had stuff to do, so, nice. um, you know, there's always something to do, you know, Yeah, you <laughs> clean up your computer or, you know, read right. a manual, you know, download a new yeah. plugin and play around with that or whatever yeah. it is, so, yeah. but... <laughs> Awesome. You know, that's the other thing is I don't have maintenance. Like I don't have the staff anymore. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> that's broken. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Like it'll yeah. work tomorrow when I get here. Like that right. doesn't happen. When, when my computer doesn't work, it's like, oh crap, I got to fix this now. Yeah. <laughs> I got to figure exactly. it out. Like, exactly. You know, <laughs> right. damn it. You know, I used to joke like working at home, it's like, where's the people that bring you lunch? It's one o'clock. Like, yep. <laughs> it's crazy. I got I to gotta do that myself. 
Shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, spoiled in, spoiled engineers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much exactly. for being on the, on the show, man. I really appreciate oh, it. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Awesome. Sweet, man. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review or comment. I'll see you next week.